This cast may be unsuitable for the elderly, small children and work colleagues. So plug those earphones in and enjoy. Fancy Battle Podcast. Uh, I'm your host James, and here with me tonight I have John. Hello. And John Stroke Netlist. Hello. Right, tonight um, we're going to be talking about our trip to the uh, London to do the Back to the Future Hound tournament. No. no, that's our tournament. We're doing the Bringing Back Six Edition tournament. <laughs> <laughs> We're about ten uh, seconds in, and we've had our first uh, mistake. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the Back to the, uh, the Bringing back six edition tournaments, which we attended a couple of weekends ago, which was uh, a bit of a good time, and we all had a good time down there. Uh, we're going to be talking about our own tournament, um, our hobby progress. Uh, I think that will be it for us tonight, to be honest. So, um, first up, uh, apologies. It's obviously been about six months since we last actually got an episode out, um, mostly because real life has got in the way. Um, I have all the editing software, and unfortunately, I have got other things I need to do in real life like a master's degree which I'm halfway through at the moment um, however we're now all sat in the same room rather than via Skype so hopefully this should cut down the editing time and we'll all be a bit smoother so uh, right, I think the first section we're going to do is going to be painting so uh, John what have you been up to? Um, so in true style, I was painting until about 6am on the evening before, uh, sorry, the morning before, immediately before um, bringing back 6th edition, uh, which was just as we were in the car on the way to bringing back 6th edition. Um, I managed to get all of my Chaos Dwarfs finished. Uh, they weren't based, which I was kind of sad about, but um, that's that's the next thing on the list. Um, a lot of my gobos were in block and wash territory, but when you've got 140 of the little uh, creatures sat on the board, sometimes you've just got to block and wash the bulk. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's like anyone who plays Skaven, they just sprayed brown a bit of metal here and there, and then a bit of skin, and then f- wash. Bin. <laughs> yeah. Maybe spruce up the front rank a little bit more, just so it looked a bit prettier. How yeah. Happy with them overall, though? Um... I need to go back and do a lot of work. Um, bases are the first. Uh, I need to do some work on my original block because they've been painted now for about five or six years and they're starting to show it. Um, but uh, looking forward, um, my Gamer ADD has struck and I am looking at my old High Elves. Um, I have a Creature Caster Dragon, um, which I want to put on the table. Uh, it cost me enough and I had to wait long enough for it. Yes, well, uh, me and me and John went in on Creature Caster initially because Eighth Edition was still reasonably in its middle s- swing at that point. It was before end times. Yeah, it was. It was about two years, I think, before the actual end of Eighth Edition, and quite frankly, the Chaos Dragon and the High Elf Dragon looked absolutely gorgeous, infinitely better than the GW equivalents, uh, and about three times the size. Yes, and. <laughs> We sat there waiting and waiting, looking longingly at our letterboxes until a year after AOS had started, and then sort of looked at it and went, well, this is bad timing. <laughs> but uh, now with us going back into 6th edition, they might actually see the table for once. Don't fit on the right size bases, though. They're too big. 
Yes. Should be on a 50 by 50 and mine barely sits on a cavalry base. Yeah, but to be fair, you could just take a 50 by 50 base with you so you can just stick it on the table next to the dragon if you need to. Yeah. For actual gameplay purposes, can't you? Yeah. It just looks so cool, so you, you're going to want to use the model. I mean, I mean, daft question, was there anything in this edition that said you couldn't upsize to a certain degree if it was something like that? Because I, I know in I know 40k, for example, I'm not too sure if it ever crossed over to fantasy. You could get a slightly bigger base, except for certain models where it said explicitly no, because there was a rule that it benefited from certain things like base. Contracts. I don't think the tournament mindset was as ingrained in either the rules design at the time or even the player base, because I think mm. it was one of the reasons why Sixth Edition is so cool is because there's a lot more fluff and fuzz to it you know it's a bit fuzzy in places uh from a rules crunch point of view but that just means that you can kind of have a bit more fun with it yeah so uh, you know if i've got if i'm up against somebody who wants it to be on a 50 50 50 by 50 base i'll have one sat there with dragon lord written on it and if it for any point that they need to reference the exact footprint on the board that'll go down but also its silhouette will be 18 inches tall and 12 inches wide. From a rules perspective, though, it's, you're still on the 50 mil wide base, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So it's basically, you're just going to 150 deep for the cavalry base? Uh, chariot base, even? Yeah, so it means if yeah. somebody actually manages to lap round, they can get two more Chaos Warriors round so the back. it's a disadvantage if nothing else. Uh, arguably an advantage, because otherwise they'd be able to put them at the back of it, which counts as fighting to the rear. But you're still getting the... Massive, yeah, yeah. massive flank though, don't you? Yeah. Into, which and does mean that people can maximise the number of attacks. Mm-hmm. Because, it, I mean, what? If you've got 50 by 50, that's a maximum of, say, four cavalry models. 100 mil wide, you can get well, full rank of six in yeah. one case. Uh, I, I, I would say, like you say, it's pro for you in certain aspects if you hit from the front, but then it means if you mess up and, say, you end up charging forward and then being sat in the middle of multiple units they can maximise their effectiveness of trying to take off a big dragon if I put 700 well between 5 and 700 points of dragon somewhere it can be charged by everything on the board I think I deserve to have it explode indeed (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I'll talk about my dogs of war next I suppose Um, don't sound so sad (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy with the way they came out I am fully aware of the aesthetic choices I've made. Um, but the list was rubbish, to be honest. The list was really pansy. It had a couple of really pokey units in the form of the Heavy Cavalry and Tichy Huchy's Raiders. But outside of that, the Pikemen, everybody says they were garbage, and yeah, they're garbage. Um, they are. They're just pans. It's a bunch of Strength 3 attacks, and nobody cares about a bunch of Strength 3 attacks. I mean, it's, it's a lot of Strength 3 attacks, just nobody cares. But, but James, um, they might have not have been very effective, but they looked fabulous whilst doing it. Yeah, they also... I mean, I, I, my army wasn't finished. I was disappointed. I just... I, I simply ran out of time. Although I had, since Christmas, been working on it solidly, unfortunately, the pikemen took a significant amount of time longer than I thought they were going to. The crossbowmen took longer than I thought they were going to. So in the end, uh, Tichy Hoochie's Raiders got blocked and washed. Uh, and the crossbowmen just need their final highlights. So, the army looked good. I think it got a lot of compliments over the weekend. And um, I'm hopeful that with a bit of luck, and if I can get the army finished for the next tournaments we go to later in the year, then uh, I might be able to start for some painting awards. But there was some lovely painting armies there, so who knows. Mm. But, yeah, I was, I was pleased with it. And the basic worked. And 
Yeah, I've just got to move on now and get some other units done for the Dogs of War. No. What about you? Um, I had pretty much my entire army painted before I'd even signed up to the event, except for some Saurus cavalry and a salamander which has gone AWOL, which I know I had three of the modern ones, but I couldn't find one of them <laughs> somehow. So after digging, I still found one of the original 6 edition ones, which uh, John had gave me randomly a couple of years ago, I think now. And because other things I decided I wanted to paint a bit more because I know how I paint. If I don't enjoy painting a model, it will then suffer as a result. I will, If I haven't got the motivation, I'm better off painting something else until it comes round. Unfortunately, time doesn't allow this. So as of one o'clock the day before the tournament, I started painting from Primed four Saurus Cavalry and one Salamander and got them finished by one o'clock, including basing. Oof. I then looked at the list at precisely half five to make sure I definitely had anything and realised one of the Saurus which I'd ripped the banner off to then convert into a spear version should have kept the banner on and in the list, and I needed to convert one up. <laughs> so, Oops. so uh, in the end, thankfully my opponents were nice in the, and said, yeah, just take one off and then shift it up to meet um, the character on the end effectively, and the old blood conversion I had f represented a banner because he looked quite fancy, so he was originally just going to be in there t as a filler, so I didn't have to build anymore, but uh, the whole army was painted, um, Unfortunately, over the annals of time, I've forgotten the recipe for the Saurus skin I had, so I've sort of wangled a, a look that sort of matches, but not fully. But they, they looked fine. They were not 100% finished, as I would have liked. But yeah, we looked good. It, it looked cohesive on the table, and you know it, was, it wasn't the best-looking best, best looking by a long way. As you said, um, there were some absolutely gorgeous-looking armies there, and it, it did it what it needed to do. And, and, Prom promptly, uh, in their case, charging things and then getting cut to shreds. <laughs> yeah, I think that was really, really nicely painted. The, 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 the winning army was um, the Kislev army by the guy you played with, Nicholas. Nicholas, I think. Nicholas, that's it. Uh, I really, really like that army, I have to say. I oh, I, I voted for that army. <laughs> so, so nice. I, I did as well, because it was, it was one of those things. I've only been involved in Warhammer since 8th edition, if you look at it from a straight uh, chronology. So I never got to see these when they were first out, and they don't look like 6th edition models to me. They don't quite have the same cartoon aesthetic that you get from a lot of the other old models. No. So it looked almost like it was a more modern army, and it was so well executed, it was so cleanly painted, but it was not, a, it was not one of these ones where it looked fancy as such, but it just looked crisp and clean, and it just really added to that lovely look it had. I've always really liked the Kislev models. I have to say, if I if I had the money and the uh, and the resources to go and get an army of them, I would have done a long time ago. Uh, the horse archers and the um, the wing lancer vibe of it all really does it for me. The forest on his bear is one of the best things I've ever made, in my opinion. Better um, start buying lottery tickets, eh, James? Yeah, seventy five quid. I think the one I saw on there the other day. It's like <laughs> I, I I can't I cannot justify as much as I love the model. I cannot justify that sort of money on. 
buy one off Seibor. I think Seibor does one uh, does a bear rider uh, conversion. I think the bear's about thirty quid to start, and then you know bits. I'm sure you can get it in under seventy five. <laughs> yeah, it's just so fun. I'm, I'm just gonna have a quick look at eBay now while you talk about yourselves. But yeah, it was uh, a really, really, really pretty army. I have to say, but it was just yeah. If, if I, I can't, I can't justify it myself. It's yeah. uh, a lot of money. Getting hold of certain models on eBay at the minute is a bit of a challenge. Um, I know I've been looking at some bull centaurs. So one of the problems I found with my Chaos Dwarf army is um, that it couldn't push at all. Um, had loads of chaff, which I thought would allow me to control the pace of the game. Um, but just the, especially in 6th edition, the lack of cavalry was absolutely crippling um it didn't help the fact that in all of our practice games my earthshaker cannon had single-handedly dictated the pace of the game uh yes yeah uh well i could i could do it quickly so game one it didn't appear but uh, the the death shrieker blew up instead game two versus niklas uh bronzio's galloper guns uh shot at it guessed perfectly bounced perfectly uh, wounded perfectly and then did exactly the number of wounds to kill the, the cannon um, in his opening turn. Game three, it had every time, I guessed, pretty much bang spot on. And then it scattered 10 inches into the middle of nowhere or off the board. And or, then in game four... Or, or off the models you wanted to No, no, really it, it did like... not affect anything. It missed entirely... <laughs> Um, and then in game four, it um, fired, bang on target, hit and a misfire, followed by a six. So it went... <clears throat> so uh, I suppose leading on from that then, how much are bull centaurs each on eBay at the moment? Um, so last time I checked, they are anywhere between 35 to 50 to 60 pounds each. Um, uh, John, how much do you enjoy your kidneys? <laughs> not... I enjoyed them more than that. Uh, so far, I've looked at there's some nice um, impact miniatures ones, uh, but they only do two sculpts of those. Um, I do not like the Mantic ones. They will not be going in my army. Because, um, yeah, no. Um, and to be fair, if they're made of rest stick, I've, I've worked on some of that before. It's a real horrible thing to work with at times. Good, good news. They're on there for £25 each at the moment. What's that? The... Um, <laughs> the full centaurs. The full centaurs. £25, yeah. yeah. £25 each. Yeah, but I'd still want a unit of eight. So that is £200. 200 yeah, yeah. And, and then that's not including the command figures, which are the ones that always spike at the 60 quid. Oh, yeah, it's... I, I'm loving playing Warhammer again, I have to say, but one of the major frustrations of it is getting hold of some of the older figures, especially is... Uh, Proving troublesome, as I found out looking at armies going forwards, because I, I want to do that um, high elf sea guard army, not because it's filth. I know it's filth. Oh, it's absolute filth. <laughs> but I really want to use the merworms again because the merworms such a beautiful figure, and you can yeah. summon them. But I think I've got some sea guard. Um, a pain. Yeah. Uh, Hey, maybe if I sell you my sea guard, I might be able to afford like two or three more bull centaurs. <laughs> I've been looking into it, and it's like Titchy Witchy's Raiders, because um, you can take them as special in the Lizard Men. I thought these would be a nice option, and then I looked at the price, and then I thought, as nice as they are, they don't quite fit my 
aesthetic of my army because it's all 8th edition models. And then so I decided I'm going to convert my own, which will probably not be far off the cost after I have to buy up all the bits individually. I should have got those ones that I saw um, that time. I was going to buy it, actually, just to sit on it. Weren't they something stupid, like 10 or 15 quid? No, 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 they were 40, but that's still good. I think it was between 40 and 60, but that's good for a... I think they were still in the box, everything was there. Oh, God, yeah, usually about 5 or 6 you find um, it's about 60 quid before you start. Yeah, Yeah. they're about 60, 65 quid. I dropped lucky with that because uh, clubmate Craig of ours had a bunch of Dogs of War stuff that I brought off him for super cheap quite a while ago. And so I've sat on them since then, but um, I've got 11 of them randomly. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know why I brought them, but I don't. One of them is not part of Tichichi's Raiders. He's the special character one that used to ride the Colvin. I can't remember his name. He's not Tichichi, he's the other one. Oh, the other skink. There's another skink that rides a Colvin. I can't remember his name. But he's Sod just... it and leg it, knowing skinks in the law. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. He's, he, it's him anyway. He's the special character one, but he just sits nicely in the unit, so he's my banner bearer at the moment. Because um, I don't play Lizard Men, so I'm never going to use him as, as the character that he is. But yeah. So as a hobby club's going on forwards, like I said, I want to do the, the High Elves with the Merworm and the Sea Guard, because I think that'll be a really cool list, and I've got some. I wanted a really nice bright blue and white paint scheme but working out how to get hold of the models is proving well they're not too expensive to get the sea guard it's some of the more like the repeater bolt throwers are going for like 25 quid each which is a bit bit on the pricey side but I think that's what they were new in box anyway yeah so I don't mind doing that and I don't because they're elves and they're all really silly money I don't really mind paying necessarily that but um it's one of those, I'm going to stick with the Dogs of War for the time being, as I've sent you a pair of couple of lists in the in our little chat group, just to mull over what I'm going to do with it next. It's just, well, at the moment, the big decision is whether or not I go for Arsenal, the Dragon Lord, or not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is really, really cool, but at 480 points, he is a nightmare to try and get into your list. If I choose to play Chaos Dwarves, I know you've got the original Arsenal the Dragon Lord, but you could probably also use my gigantic Creature Caster Dragon instead, <laughs> just just so it's on the board. At least it will have seen a board by then. Um, now, I suppose my hobby going forward is I need to make some hard choices with the Chaos Dwarves. I think a uh, squad of Mercenary Heavy Cavalry is almost a must. Uh, I've seen some lovely models which are the, I think they're the Russian, no, they're not the Russian alternative. There's a company that does um, the Dragon Empire, and via the tam- the fluff for the dark, um, Chaos Dwarves in Tamarkan, they sit right on the, the trade road going yeah. east. So I thought that it'd be a really cool idea to have some eastern mercenaries. Um, so I found a, a unit of they're all in like the, the lacquered samurai armor on the temple dogs, the food dogs. Are they the immortal eye miniatures ones? I think so. Yeah, they're, they're, I think you pay like fifty euros for five, which isn't far off of buying. Um, it works out something like about eight or nine quid at the minute per model, I suppose. Yeah, and I can get like a squad of ten of them and just go like, yeah, there you go. There's my heavy cavalry. In all fairness, they do look like big chunky resin models, so eight yeah. or nine quid a figure probably ain't too far off. I know they barely fit on a fifty by hundred mil, so yeah, they will look cool. Uh, no, no, cavalry is fifty wide. Fifty mil. by twenty-five. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, fifty by twenty-five. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. I'm thinking wrong edition. You're thinking of chariots. <laughs> I'm thinking of my um, I'm thinking of my uh, other bull centaur conversions that I can't use. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose that is one of the slight unfortunate things of the lovely, lovely, lovely Forge World ones you can't really use because they're on 
monstrous infantry bay or monstrous cavalry. Nor can bases. I use my twenty bajillion could I fireborn unless I fluff them as mercenary ogres. To be fair, you could fluff them as mercenary ogres quite easily. They just let's be honest, some of the mercenary ogre units are really good. Yeah, true. And they're relatively cheap for what they do, I think. I've been looking quite carefully at ogres because I was trying to decide whether or not I take man eaters or normal ogres in my dogs of war going forwards, because I've got three man eater models because I love the figures. But whether or not I use them as them or ogres, because at 85 points a mod, plus six points for the longsword or the weapon upgrade for the great weapon. And wasn't 91 it points each with a 5 up save. Yeah, wasn't it like 10 points for the katana or something? 6 points for the katana, yeah. They are... I mean, they're pokey, don't get me wrong, but they're going to they, <laughs> die really easily if they just... Yeah. <laughs> a, a single Empire um, detachment of uh, handgunners will probably make them run off with, with a, a decent is, bit of roll. I think 30 points of goblin <laughs> archers would make them worry. Well, they're only tougher as four with a five up save. It might even be a six up save, I can't remember. So I think you could get heavy armour, yeah. So you don't even have to be that strong strength wise. Just throw enough dice at them. They're going to cause a couple of wounds. And they're gonna, I think they are immune to psychology, which will help. No, no, it doesn't. I think they might be stubborn. I think that would stop them breaking from stubborn. panic. But either way, yeah. at 85 and 91 points a month by the time you brought them a weapon, <laughs> it means looking at the uh, iron guts or normal ogre balls. Can you, get, a, um, a can you get lead belchers as max? I think you get all the ogres as max. Because lead belchers are freaking terrifying. Um, I've got the... Uh, uh, oh no, I can't because I've not got the internet here. But um, I have got the army book on my phone, so... Um, yeah, I'll have a look, but I think you can. I think the only things you can't take are Nodlars, the Scrap Launcher. Which, if um, I remember correctly, is terrifying. Oh, the Scrap Launcher in this edition is amazing. Misfire, there's one of them where the lever of the catapult literally hits the Rhinox in the gonads and it sends it into a frenzy and it runs forward and charges. Ah, like the Hell Cannon. Oh, speaking of the Hell Cannon, if only I could take it in my Chaos Dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Like I said to you the other night, which uh, we'll come on to later when we're talking about our uh, our tournament, I think I don't think anybody would have a real issue with you using it. It just smacks if we allow you to use it in our tournament, us letting our friend use his cool toys that he wants to use. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's not really uh, yeah. the vibe uh, we want to be giving off. As discussed, I think if it was Chaos Dwarves were a bit more common in the wilds, as it were. <laughs> I would be more happy to do it, but because, as far as I'm aware, they are one of the rarest of the armies that get used. Oh, well, there with, you know, Kislev, yeah. and um, what else did we see at the event that was really rare? Oh, Dogs of War. Dogs of War, yes. <laughs> it, and apparently Lizardmen at that event. Um, it, it does, as James said, look a bit more like we um, are doing it just so you can do it. So I think we'll play conservative yeah. this time round, and you never know, next year or the next event, whenever we just... Sorry, I'll just, put a, diff- I'll just uh, put a Chaos Lord on top of my giant creature caster dragon and call it Chaos. Now I can take the... Uh... Well, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it counts as two rare choices, so it is actually a, a, a definite choice to take it yeah. because of the two rare slot. Thing and the, don't forget the 300 points the thing costs. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's be honest, an earth, double Earthshaker, in theory, is probably better. Yeah, but I don't have a second Earthshaker and I don't have a spare £100. That's what strip and then casting your own little resin pool, not for sale, please, GW, don't sue me, is all about, John. You know this. Yeah, but I've already painted it once. <laughs> I don't want to paint three of them. Right, well, I think we're going to take a uh, a very, very short break here, um, just to get a drink and uh, 
refresh and then uh, we'll be back to talk about the tournament. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. We are now going to discuss the uh, Bring Back 6 edition events that we went down to. Um, we'll start with our army lists that we took to the event um, as a rough guide so people understand what we, what we took. Um, my 500 point list, the general was a Saurus Scar veteran with a great weapon, light armour, shield, uh, sacred spawning of Quetzal, venom of the firefly frog, and then core was just two units of skink skirmishers, 111, 110, and the 17 um, Saurus warriors with spears and standard bearer. That was just a simple thing because it was one of those afterthoughts of, I know James mentioned it to us before, that it was a sort of look at what you were already taking and then not have to take anything extra if possible. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the way I did mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, for the final list was a Scar Veteran again as the general with Great Weapon, Light Armour, Shield, Sacred Spawning of Quetzal, Sacred Spawning of Itzel, Cold One, Venom of the Firefly Frog, which I forgot in every game, I think I got a chance to use it. <laughs> and then Aura of Quetzal. Uh, second Scar Veteran, Light Armor Shield, Quetzal and Itzel spawnings again. Cold One, because why not go for the zero plus save. And Burning Blade of Chotek. Skink Priest level two on Heavens, just in his pants, just for a bit of magic. Uh, two skink, skink Skirmisher units of 10 with Javelin and Shield. 20 Saurus. Warriors with spears, full command, and uh, spawning of Quetzal in my special, with three Croxagore, six Saurus Cavalry with standard, and then three Salamanders. Um, overall, the first list was sort of thrown into the fray because I thought, I'm not playing tactically in this game. This one, I was running on four hours sleep, and this was just the 500-point fun game, so I wasn't thinking too hard on this one. It was more of a... Let's charge the block of Saurus with the character into some into the front of the enemy and see what happens. Um, I'm not too sure how I managed to wangle it, but I did end up ma massacring my opponent, despite the fact that even on a double one break check, the Skaven did not run away after killing the general, just in time for the Ratogas to charge the flank. Thankfully for me, they uh, fortunately whiffed a little bit, so didn't hurt the Scar Veteran or the unit. And I managed to rack up enough combat res to um, catch all the units and eventually just grind out grind out after that point. Um, for your 500-point game, um, I know for you it was uh, drive 100-plus miles to end up playing your club mate, wasn't it, guys? Uh, yeah, so me and John ended up playing in our first game of... Do you want me to quickly run through my list, mate? Uh, yeah, can do. Um, yeah, my, my 500 list was, as, as Nellis has just said, basically trimmed down what I had from my 1500 point list because I didn't have to paint anything else then. So I had my captain on a bardic warhorse with a great weapon, uh, paymaster with an enchanted shield, uh, five heavy cavalry with barding in a full command, uh, five light calf with spears and shields. Uh, 10 pipemen with heavy armour and full command, and that was your lot, and it was 497 points. Yeah, um, same as the other two lists, my 500 point list was a trim down of uh, everything else. The only, I had one model that didn't appear anywhere else, and that was I had uh, downgraded the Earthshaker Mortar in my big list to a Deathshaker Rocket Launcher. Um, I had a Chaos Dwarf Hero, 
um, who had some silly magic toys, uh, the armour of Gazrak and the gauntlets of Bazrak. Um, the armour gave him a 1 plus save, the gauntlets gave him plus 1 strength, but also Karn the Betrayer's special rule. Um, throughout the tournament, he went on to kill um, his own points in Chaos Dwarves uh, on a reliable basis. Uh, I think he must have killed nearly 200 points of Chaos Dwarves over the tournament <laughs> on his own. Um, yeah, he did. He did do a real number on your unit with we were playing. Yep. He. I then had a little block of chaos dwarves. Uh, great weapons because they're dwarves. Um, Sixteen of them. Uh, two squads of ten gobs with bows and the aforementioned rocket launcher. Uh, the game was um, short and sweet. Is how I would describe it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was conveniently on the table next to them, so every so often when we had a bit of a lull in the. In my game, where my opponent was sort of doing his thinking, or um, just afterwards when uh, the our game came to an end, I sort of looked over and I just sort of went, went "Oh, this looks to be uh, progressing in one person's favour very heavily," and then turned back over and it was like, "What happened here?" Yeah. So, uh, James, you got your full. My um, Earth Sh- Death Shrieker rocket launcher uh, blew up immediately. So one, yeah, first thing it did. Um, it's the last thing it did too. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you got your uh, light cavalry to slam into one of the blocks of hobgoblins, um, which I promptly expected to explode, and they didn't. No, uh, they would, and then chased the light cavalry down, if I remember right. Uh, yep, you did only fail your morale test by one pip, um, yeah. and I think you only lost the combat by one, uh, which was really unfortunate, so they, they ran off. Um, to be honest, that's the story of the light cavalry throughout the entire week or the entire day. They were rubbish. I think they the... were really, really bad. And then the, the same thing happened in the centre. So the heavy cavalry slammed into the front of the chaos dwarves. Uh, you killed about two models, and then the chaos dwarf hero killed more of my models and I think one of yours. So on that round, I pass my test to stay because I'd lost combat. Then the next round, um, which is round two of this combat, the opposite happened. And I think I ended up winning by one because of the number of casualties I'd caused on my own unit. Yeah, it was a lot. You rolled that magic nine and ran away. And I think I chased you down again with the 2d6 minus one. Uh, I can't remember. I know by the end of turn three, I had my unit of ten crossbowmen left, which got promptly shot at, and then ran away from the uh, hobgoblin bowmen. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a, yeah, the the, the rubber lances syndrome was in full effect this weekend. Um, the the light cavalry were naff all weekend. They they were waste points, and the uh, the the heavy cavalry. Probably two out of three, probably, sorry, two out of four games, they, they just went into it and just did nothing. I mean, I must admit, one of the interesting things about the Chaos Dwarf list as it exists in Ravening Hordes is that my hero level character has leadership 10, which meant that uh, losing combats was uh, less of an issue for me than I think anybody else at the event. I think leadership 10 in this edition is quite hard to get even on certain Lord level characters, let alone heroes. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say the big problem I did find was my, entirely of my own making is that for whatever reason I had in my head going into the day and this is entirely down to lack of practice the great weapons always strike last so I was going in charging and then I wasn't able to kill people with my hero until afterwards by which point they've already struck 
So the advantage I had here that having a weapon skill 5, strength 6 hero going in was completely negated. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's only if you're charged or you're onto a subsequent round of yeah. combat, then they do always strike last, unless yeah. you're fighting zombies, because zombies have... No, we always strike last. You, you yeah. go first, dear, dear boy. Yeah, so it was... It always, was a, always strike last. Yeah. <laughs> a problem of my, entirely of my own making, and I, and I really think that didn't help over the weekend. So my heavy cavalry in particular, I don't think necessarily got a fair shake of the uh, shake of the stick, but my light cavalry, uh, I'm going to take them because I love the way I, the models... Um, Can you give them bows? Yes. Give them bows. The Just... is, it's four points a model to give them bows. Which means that I'm spending nearly twenty points a model for light cavalry. <laughs> uh, but they're weapon skill, weapon skill three, ballistic skill three. They're not uh, elves. Yeah, see, I've been looking at the Irelian Reavers for the high elves, and at twenty six points a model with a spear and a bow. Well, they're twenty five points a model with just a bow, so I'll take both. You may as well for the extra point. At ballistic skill four. Pew, 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 all day, every day. I, I think as a... I think genuinely, because you can get them relatively cheap, I think you can get the five of them for 60 points, I want to say. Oh, wow, that is cheap. But that's with no weapons upgrades. I mean, the, the entire unit with five anyway, I think he's only like 72 points, and that's with... Uh, and I'll say, I'll say now, um, they are, yeah, 55 points for the five light cavalry. Mm. So I, I'm thinking I'm just going to take them. And march block. Naked and march block, use them as chaff. And I think as that, I think they are fine. But I think I need other stuff. To do some heavy lifting. To do some of the heavy lifting, which uh, the problem is in my two practice games, they were great. They went into some small units with the strength four on the charge, even at weapon skill three, they need to get two or three hits. With the horses then stomping to people in the hoof, they would just run through smaller units out of this tournament. They just didn't consistently. They were the worst performing unit in my... Uh, You've got to paint your bear men, James. I said it repeatedly. And if you don't <laughs> paint them, I'll be taking them. I think the bear men are just really, really expensive for what they do. And we'll talk about this probably on another podcast. Because um, <laughs> that could be quite a long debate. But I have looked quite carefully at the bear men. And they're expensive, in my opinion. You're basically taking them for the bear. That is my point. You take them for the bear and the unit of frenzied light armour and shield dudes. But once again, another yeah, that is a discussion for another day. Uh, my 500 point list then, I may as well just run through my games because my games are all fairly straightforward. Um, so yeah, my, my general stayed the same. He was captain of my war horse, uh, Bardid, great weapon. Paymaster got upgraded to having heavy armour and enchanted shield and he had a pistol, which actually, for the seven points it was, turned out to be amazing in every game. Um... The Highland Wizard on Laura Heavens, level 2, with a horse and dispel scroll, who's Belladonna. Um, 9 Heavy Cavalry, Bardian full command, 16 Pikemen, Heavy Armour full command, the Light Cavalry, 5 Light Cavalry, Shields and Spears, uh, 10 Crossbowmen, and 3 Ogres with great weapons, 16 Paymasters, Bodyguards, full command, Heavy Armour, with a War Banner, which was pointless, as I discovered during the day, because I always put the... Um, Paymaster in there, which gives them stubborn. So the war banner, I mean, he then casts the banner himself, so it doesn't stack. So it becomes a bit irrelevant. You still get the plus one for the war banner, though. It's just you lose, you almost lose the points for the base banner, yeah. I suppose. 
Uh, and then my rare slot was Titiages Raiders, and eight of those are 294 points. Uh, by far and away, they were the best units of the day. So, game one, I played John. Um, it was a, a bit of a Rubble Nance syndrome. Game two, I ended up playing Corn. I sat down, looked across the table, and went, I can't deal with this, I'm going to lose. But, <laughs> so I, uh, I delayed, I shoved stuff forwards to try and mitigate the loss as much as possible, but unfortunately, Two blocks of, I think, 30 blood letters um, tore me a new one fairly rapidly, and there was not an awful lot I could do about it. And then the opportunity I did have, which was my heavy cavalry in the front, Titchy Hoochie Raiders in the rear of one of these block of 30 blood letters, which you'd like to think could do some serious damage to that. Titchy Hoochie failed a stupidity check, stood there looking at them, and then the cavalry went in the front, uh, Rubber Lance did no wounds. And then uh, got murdered by the blood letters and ran down. So <laughs> that was that was basically that game over and done with uh, pretty rapidly. But you had that storm of chaos corn chariot with the double juggernaut, which is just it's incredible for the amount of points it is. It is it's just phenomenal. And um, wasn't it too sort of I can't remember whether they were technically called in this edition, but it was like the heralds of corn, one of which was essentially. Let's take a blood thirster, put him on a high temperature wash, and here he is in a slightly less angry version. The exalted demons, yeah. which are amazing. They cost two hero slots, but yeah, they're he, amazing. He rinsed me, and because he was corn, he had loads of inbuilt magic defense. So my Laura Heavens did nothing. I think I cast spells successfully every turn. He dispelled them with his bajillion dice. So it, to be fair, really nice guy. Uh, it was a I can't I wish I could remember his name. I'm, I'm rubbish, but it was a, a lad and his a guy and his son. Uh, I had a really good game against him, and I was quite happy to play again. It was just a, one of those where I, started, I, I knew my list was rubbish going in, and uh, that was not surprising. Yeah, we will preface this. I think for the most part we have sort of forgotten names because unfortunately sleep and work has occurred between the event and now. Um, we did try to pull up a list of the names, but unfortunately, the only one we could find didn't have the armies next to them to make it a bit easy for us to remember when we looked at it at a glance. And given, I know, there were quite a few people on the pictures of the name tags we were given by Joe, which were very helpful for us. So sometimes yeah. names are quite difficult for me to remember until I use them a few times. There were quite a lot of people, for example, that played Wood Elves. And in my second <laughs> game, it was against Wood Elves, so it was like... <laughs> I could throw a dart at the board and hope I hit the right one, but we, we will apologise in advance. I know I can remember my last opponent's name, but but um, I, I don't know about you guys. But I, I can remember my Game 3 opponent because I gave him my most sporting because he was all over me. Um, I had some really, really poor luck in a couple of key, key combats which just didn't go my way, and then I also broke through fear, uh, playing a guy called Thomas with his vampire counts. Uh, but thankfully, the the scenario was is it breakthrough? It's called. Yes, uh, I think it's scenario two in the book, or scenario yeah. three. It's one of those two. He misplaced his one of his units, and it was just outside the zone, which meant he didn't score the requisite points to win. Um, but we only realised that after we'd already sort of counted up victory points and handed in the win. At which point, he was more than happy to put his hands up and say that. I had won, and to be honest, it was uh, more by luck than judgment on his on my part. So, and it was I thought it was you know fair play to you because yeah. you didn't have to do that because I wouldn't have picked it up and noticed. So um, yeah, and it was a re real good fun game. I have to say there was uh, only time I've ever seen a bat swarm kill anything, and it killed my wizard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, didn't just go into it and fear, killed it, stabbed my wizard to death. 
<laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny teeth. Tiny, tiny teeth stabbed my wizard to death. So, it's like, for crying out loud. Yes. But it was a real... Just real a desiccated horse. Tiny. A desiccated corpse <laughs> on a desiccated horse. So, Still dressed I, in the uh, Tylean finery. Uh, am I right in remembering that he even went into the front of Belladonna, so you had her and the horse swinging? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's not as if you only had the, the wizard to do it. You literally had your maximum output and still got ground out yeah. by a bat swarm. It took three rounds of combat, but eventually the bat swarm killed Belladonna. I think she one wound in return. Swarms up, no save. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was... It was Pretty abysmal, but to be honest, it was such a good fun game anyway. All right. Was that was that the one time that the Law of Beasts could have actually been useful? I was going to say the Law of Beasts. I slag off the regular basis because I think it's rubbish. Yes, in that occasion, it would have been quite good to go to beast swarm wail on his bat. But yeah, that was probably the highlight of the game was his bat swarm killing my mage. To be honest, I'm toying with the idea of running an elf beast mage in a unit of dragon princes and just being like, right, okay. Boosh. This guy's strength six, six attacks, weapon skill six. I, I think we discussed it either at the event or subsequently, John. Um, you were sort of saying, how cool would it be to do a Ravening Hordes uh, event kind of thing? And we were discussing it because I think it's quite relatively balanced internally. It's once you start bringing Ravening Hordes versus the actual books of the edition. Well, it's because it was all written by the same bloke. Well, yeah. Um, we then thought, hang on, Lore of Beasts is amazing for Beastmen. Sorry, uh, Lizardmen in this edition at that point, because Slan were combat characters. So you're looking at about, I think it was four or five yeah, I've attacks. Yeah, I've got, I've got Ravening Hordes here. Um, based on the Slan Lord. Right, the, um, the cheap Slam is um, four attacks at strength four, toughness five and six wounds, uh, weapon skill four. The expensive Slan, who's nearly 500 points on his own, is six attacks at strength five, weapon skill five, with toughness five and eight wounds. So, <laughs> ima- so imagine an, no- an eight attack, Sorry, nine attack model at strength eight running into you saying, bro, I'm a wizard, <laughs> come at me. It's, it's the old uh, fourth, uh, what is it, fifth edition uh, slam with um, Helm of Many Eyes and Hydra Blade. <laughs> Presumably, though, that is to represent when the slam was actually carried by four temple guard. Uh, so it's probably. not the slam doing the fighting, but from a rules point of view, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be on top there doing kung fu moves. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, unfortunately, the real slam in this edition would does not like combat so sad remember, times bears. Remember, it is a different age. It could be the slam, one of the remaining slam, one of the younger generation of slam who are still up and walking around <laughs> rather than laying around in their... Uh... Right, your Blood Bowl team. Yeah, oh, my Blood Bowl team of slam. Oh, oh. It's a shame that I they would, removed that. I would have to get hold of a frog, like a, pick a frog model of some description doing a... Oh, what, what's the... Walt- is it the um, Warner Bros. Frog? Hello, my baby. Yes, yeah. that one. Just sort of did that one of them with his legs outstretched, but with like a, a sword or something attached to the foot or some sort of spikes. And instead of I the just, cane, he's yeah. got like a... <laughs> yeah, a, a massive um, obsidian blade in his hand just going, come on, bro. Oh, talking of the obsidian blade. Um, moving on to re- uh, taking a lord... Um, with my Chaos Dwarves, I want to use the Obsidian Blade from Ravening Hordes. It is amazing. It's 70 points. Um, no armor saves allowed. If your target takes an unsaved wound, his armor and shield, including magic armor and shield, are destroyed. Ooh. Ooh. It's 70 points. But if you poke your opponent... That okay. would mean a Chaos Lord would really hate you. <laughs> well, the Chaos Lord would probably strike first due to the Helm of Many Eyes. However, if I manage to tank... The five attacks at strength five. I go, boop. And then the Chaos Lord is sat there in his underpants. 
Um, that could be quite fun to be honest. It's just—it's like it's one of them. One of them. The uh, army lists were fairly balanced, like you say. It was written by the same bloke for the start of the edition because it didn't have anything to compare itself against. Yeah, I think it was all Alicia Calvatore actually. Uh, Jake Thornton and Alicia Calvatore. Yeah, that's uh, about right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, quite a large hand with it. So Uh, I just cover off my last game. Um, My last game, I I felt a a little bit sorry for my opponent. He had had a very long day and a very late night, from what I can gather. So he wasn't (laughs) feeling the best for it at this particular time. Was his, if memory serves, wasn't his late night due to some nice fermented water evolving Uh, malted malted barley hops? I think there was uh, a fair amount of drinking involved the night before as well. Unfortunately, he was playing Dark Owls, which, from my memory of this edition, unless you're taking the City Guards list, are difficult at best. And the short version of this game is I ran at him, he shot at me, did nothing, I then ran over him, and then that was the game over. Um, It was, yeah, it was one of those games where it didn't really matter what he did, uh, the dice were just in my favour, and I just just ran him over unfortunately mm. again another fun game I have I have four fun games uh, it was a really really good day from, from a Dogs of War point of view anyway so yeah. that was my tournament um, yeah for, for mine one um, my second game unfortunately I can't remember the chap's name he was a lovely chap to play and, it was, and um, he had wood elves which immediately made me have alarm bells ringing after discussing with James about how much experience I had against this book in 8th edition, it was like, oh, they're, they've got a couple of tricks, but overall they're a bit pants. You then look at them in the context of 6th edition, and except for the fact they struggle to deal with ranks, and they've got no armour, they don't care, because there's an army of skirmishers. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I've been looking... I, I have a massive Wood Elf army that I built up over 8th edition, and... Uh, it is more than enough to do a six edition army. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm avoiding it at the moment because I think they're so super good. I, I want to. Uh, I want to get people at our club playing as my nice. Says the man. Before I bust out my, uh, my, my wood elves. Says the man who has a second option currently of a high elf sea guard army, which is just as shooty, <laughs> and just as obnoxious. Yeah, but I do. But has a lizard. But a really cool bird worm. <laughs> <laughs> Filth worm. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, but my opponent's list. It was. Um, he had a noble which had the item which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head which makes him movement nine, and then he gains a couple of other little abilities from oh, it. Oh no, that's one of the kindreds. That yeah. Was, oh, sorry. Uh, I can't which kindred it is, but there's one of them that makes him movement nine. Yeah, and yeah. It, it gives him something stupid like a, a load of attacks at a slightly higher strength. Uh, is that the one that means he can't join units? Yes, yeah. and he got the Hail of Doom arrow because you give your best noble with a bow a Hail of Doom arrow because why not have a Shotgun on with a bowstring. Yeah, the kindreds were always rubbish in eighth edition because they're really expensive. But in this edition, they are fairly good, if I remember right. Yeah, because I think most things in this edition are—I wouldn't want to say over-costed, but they are higher costed than what you saw later on, equivalently. Uh, definitely. Um, and then he had a general, which was another noble with—I think he was like a war dancer—and then. His army consisted of three units of dryads, one with a level one or two, well, I think it has to be a level one life wizard, yes, level one life wizard, um, branch raid, yeah. and then a unit of war dancers, which I know are horrible if you don't pick them off with the right target, and the tree man, when the tree man was utter filth. And I looked at him with my army and I went, I have the burning blade of Chotek. 
he doesn't know this because magic items are hidden in this event. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad magic items are hidden in this event. So I went, "Oh, baby, this is this is a perfect setup." And he actually did move in such a way because I got, I believe, Comet off in the first turn because I rolled uh, Comet, and I I don't care what the other spell is at this point. I think I think it might have been the first one, and got Comet off and right in the middle of his line. Unfortunately, I rolled the three rather than the four to drop it right in front of his army where he would have had, at the very least, three units, including the tree man, smacked by it. So he moved forward. And I had Croxagore and this Scar Veteran go into the front and flank, respectively. The Croxagore did a wound. The guy who only had to do three wounds before because this guy got no saves, didn't even get a hit. <laughs> oh dear. So I looked one combat th- just about on static res, I think it was, or I stood my ground. I can't quite remember which way around it was. And then the next turn, the comet came down. Or the turn, or yes, that turn. I rolled something like a six, which then gets times by three or two, two I think, yeah. at that point. So it hit most of his left flank, my Croxigore and my Scarvet. My Croxigore were left with one model. And my Scarvet (laughs) lost a wound. (laughs) And I did a couple of wounds to him, but but it was one of those things where I suddenly went, oh, no, no, (laughs) no, not now. And the Dryads went in and his Branch Wraith managed to um, sucker punch my Scar Veteran before he got to swing, which really did make me sad because I wouldn't have attacked the Branch Wraith. I would have just tried to wail on this angry tree. Um, And then the other thing that weirdly kept going on was that a unit of ten Dryads went into my Salamanders and we just ended up sort of slapping each other and eventually grinding each other down to the point he killed me with about two or three um, guys left. Dryads are super good in this edition, they really but, are. Uh, the the sort of end result of the of it was the last three turns of combat available. His tree man had gone into my Saurus Warriors, and eventually, through static combat res, because he was consistently killing one or two, but because I had at least three or four combat res, he always lost. And the last turn he failed his um, leadership and got run down which pushed me onto I think 19 points over the minimum threshold for the win Ooh, that's tight then and it was one of those where I thought if he didn't lose that it was a win to him but because of the because of that it just pushed it over which it was it was a really tight game but it was one of those weird ones where sometimes dice were very average and then when you really didn't want them to be they went downhill for uh, both of us at times. Sometimes those things happen. Like his hail of doom arrow, I think he only got four shots and like one or two hits. Oh, 3d6, that's really unlucky. Yeah, so it was just really, really bad, unfortunately. But I I can't complain too much. It meant my salamanders managed to get a shot off. (laughs) And um, I think the funny thing was as well, he got dryads in the front. No, sorry, I charged treekin with my Sora's cavalry with my general and then his movement nine hero went in the flank and first round of that doing that his uh, hero killed all but one of the guys so I only had the banner but I I managed to lose only by one because my general managed to wail so hard on the um, treekin and then the next turn he had to accept the challenge because there was no character anymore because I'd killed the champion 
and and his uh, character just went, I've got a great weapon, and I went, cool, I have a three up by four up, and just punched him dead, and then unfortunately <laughs> copped dryads in his war dancer, so he did eventually grind out, but also, but my general did also get his general in the end as well, because he had because he either he had to accept with the brand, not the branch raid, the uh, dryad champion, or this. Um, General and he decided, oh, we'll go for the killing blow, and it it didn't go off, unfortunately for him. Um, my next game was against, I believe it was Ross with um, Dark Elves, and this was the breakthrough mission. And I was elected to be the defender by by him because he won the roll off, which was very fortunate because on our table it was all open except across the middle there was one giant impassable piece of terrain on the sort of was it the middle table? yes the yeah. middle the sort of middle third point then halfway another one, and then another one on the right flank. So I just sort of looked at it and went, right, he's got to come down these funnels or go really long round, and in the end he went down the two funnels, and there was a bit of toing and froing in the initial combats on my right flank, but my left flank I just busted through because, unfortunately, failed stupidity tests on the worst possible units at the first and second turn, yeah. and Comet just did its work on this. I mean, it... it Came down and did eleven wounds or twelve or ten wounds out of eleven or twelve hits on his general's unit, forcing them to run away. And there was a, a failed fear test as well, which one of his general's unit just beforehand as well, which had prevented him charging when he had a real good chance to crush my right flank. Peculiar choice to choose to put you as the defender though in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, with the way that scenario is at the moment, I think we're all in agreement that uh, you would always choose to be the defender if you have the option yeah I mean even if you're a combat-y um, like corn army I think we discussed it like if you've got the mobility you just run off and deal with your opponent in the middle you don't let them move up essentially yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could sort of see his reasoning behind it because we sort of had a bit of a to and fro because he wasn't too sure and I sort of said well you've got the overall speed advantage and he had more blocks so he could but unfortunately just his left flank co- collapsing turn two just meant that I could then completely swing every combat unit I had left towards this one central point, and he just couldn't grind through me quick enough to um, push his way through, and then I just took, I took everything, barring his bolt thrower off by the end of turn four, so he, he shook my hand in and, and sort of, well, it's a case of my bolt thrower might get a few kills here, but it makes no difference because it's a win-loss uh, scenario, so... yeah bit of a funny one to have in the way that the overall tournament results were done but um... and it, it, it was one of those scenarios I think it's a good scenario because it forces non-shooting armies to have a benefit over sh- all shooting armies but it relies on the combat army I know John will probably talk about this for the same scenario where the one who gets the roll off will likely pick the better choice for them which is almost always to defend especially if you're the combat army because it forces the shooting army to move i can't see why even if you are a combat army you wouldn't choose to defend because like they say you just you just run at them because if you could delay them long enough Mm. they're not going to get the requisite 500 points the killer is the fact it ignores characters yeah because if it was characters as well i would have lost because I couldn't kill his vampire lord because of the way that the combat's worked out. Yeah. So if his vampire lord was in there, he'd have won comfortably. But the fact that he's got to have 500 points worth of units and, uh, in yeah. my deployment area... 
That's that's a tough ask. We, that's a tough ask for anybody. But I do like the fact that the scenario forces people to think about their army selection, which is what a good scenario should do. So yeah. it's, um, it's a difficult one. Yeah, and then at this point, if you're keeping count, I was on three wins, and f- I think it was a flat win for two games and then a minor victory for the third one which put me at this point I think in third place relative at the and then I looked across at my opponent in the last game who was Hugo he was a lovely chap and fortunately he brought the worst possible army for me to face when you really 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 need to focus and not cock up with a mostly infantry army it was Bretonians Yeah, and he played them well as well from the bits of the game that I watched. Yeah, he, he was very tight with his play, and he there was a couple of little things where he made mistakes where he underestimated what salamanders can do if you decide to just charge with them. Um, they won over two rounds of combat, not because I did any spectacular wounds with them, but because he failed to hurt me back, and because I had enough combat res going in that um, he auto-broke because of the fear. Yeah. And so his peg knights... Uh, ran off uh, twice and fortunately for him the first time round they just because of the angle you have to do it's always centre to centre they didn't quite go off the board the first run which was a, a bit of a shame for me in some ways because it meant I had I lost a turn of the salamanders doing something more to the rest of the table but they cleared up peg knights and two units of peasants one was skirmisher one was just a well dealing block. with those pegasus nice must have been a big boom for you because oh, they're yeah. a nightmare to deal with because the flying flying strong cavalry is just it's, yeah because really good because it's a 20 inch maximum move and the skirmishers so it's a 360 charge as well yeah. which is it was just one of those things the moment he took the bait of the skinks i just thought he's put himself in such a place i cannot not risk this because if it goes well it does what it did and then I eventually control a little bit more of the movement not enough because obviously he had um, one big knight block two smaller ones and then a grail knight block so I can't couldn't control the overall movement but yeah. it, it reduced his, his ability for options and in the end because what I decided to do was take the side where I had conveniently a building and then a two walls that covered the front and flank. I plonked my Saurus and my general behind that and went, you can't get behind me without some serious move, move careful movement. I'm just going to defend this point because if you charge me, you're hitting me on sixes and then I'll probably beat you. And the end result, after unfortunately on my part failing a rally test with Croxagore to stop after they somehow got away from Grail Knights and... Uh, Hugo failed his realm of the uh, Knights of the Realm rally test, and they ran off the board. I managed to sweep up about a hundred and forty-ish, I think, draw winning draw. Um, it was one of those things we had to double check a few things because um, there was a case of if Hugo didn't get a hundred points for being in the quarter because you had to be wholly or partially yeah. within. We weren't too sure on the wor- wording. We wanted to make sure because it would have honestly affected it and we didn't want to mess each other up out of a potential um, difference in the overall end game. Uh, it was just one of those ones I've never had to play so carefully because <laughs> I couldn't outmove and because there's no pre-measuring in this edition outside of, I don't know, like John with his artillery, you could sort of go... In a bit of pre-measuring in your previous in a shooting phase for you to roughly predict for next turns. Yeah. Oh yeah. You you can't. I was sort of having to go. I think I'm this distance away. I know I'm in his charge range. So I'm going to have to back off. 
and there was one point I thought he had messed up and left one unit within 12 of Croxagore, which if they busted through would have immediately left um, one of his flanks exposed yeah. to a combat unit. Unfortunately, he was something like 13 away, which <laughs> meant the Croxagore looked longingly at a unit of Grail Knights and two Knights of the Realms. Oh, and I just sort of went, oh, that's my left flank gone. And that's a Croxagore next turn, probably. But uh, fortunately, he failed two fear tests with his knight units. <laughs> so that sort of meant the Grail Knights only killed one Croxagore and I killed one or two Grail Knights back. That's lucky if I so, found the fear check. But yeah. um, they did run off and Legion then I, nine, I got a... Eight or nine, I think. Nine on the Grail. I'd say Legionship nine, but they're immune to... The, the, are they immune to psychology? Grail Knights become immune to psychology because of the Grail Blessing. Yeah. So they didn't care. But the other two, even with the BSB reroll on one of them, failed. Oh dear. BSB doesn't... <laughs> I don't think the BSB gives a reroll. I think it only gives a reroll on break tests. I'm, I might be getting wrong. I can't quite remember. I know at the very least he, he didn't get it off on these two. Yeah, it's just right test your right, I was about to say that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, a bit, bit of 8th edition coming <laughs> into my head there. Um, yeah. It was one of those ones where I suddenly thought, hang on, I have a chance here, because if he gets rubber lance syndrome, which we all know always happens when you least can afford it, it then went bang, didn't quite crunch through, and he only rolled something like 3 or 4 on 3 dice to catch me. Um, as I say, because of my last, I went second as well. My last turn, I didn't rally, so my... Um, sorry, I went first, actually. I didn't rally, so he got the points for them. He then got some preventions of me having a quarter with my big Saurus block with the mm -hmm. Knights. And there was my Comet of Cassandora's not quite doing enough heavy lifting when they did land, and in one case, literally being a millimetre or two off, hitting a Knight unit, which could have forced the um, points a little bit earlier. It was just such a... It was one of those games where you don't look like you're enjoying it because you're that serious <laughs> on your face. And I'm pretty much so, sure you saw it, James. I just I was there just like focusing. Somehow. I was like, Fuck God, this is just... I can't not let a bit of focus off this because there's got to be a completely perfect play. And there were a few mistakes on my part and that, but I was relying on fear a bit too much at times. But... <laughs> It was such an enjoyable game, and I, th I believe I gave Hugo my best sports purely, purely because it was just that good a game to play. Uh, over to you, John. Good times. John. Right. Uh, yeah, so I played Chaos Dwarfs. Um, I had... Um, I'll kind of go through it briefly, because um, there's uh, not a massive amount... Uh, I don't know, I wasn't happy at the end of it with the way my list ran. I think it was more just I was throwing it together... Uh, so I had a, my Dwarf Hero, uh, same equipment as before, he's about 100 points. Yeah. I had a level 2 Fire Wizard. Uh, fire in this is surprisingly good. Um, running around with a Dispel Scroll. Um, the Hero generally ran around in a block of 25 Chaos Dwarves. I think I had one of the biggest single units of anything in the game, barring the two units of 30 Blood Letters. Yeah. It's a scary prospect, 25 Chaos Dwarfs. Especially when they're Leadership 10 with the War Banner. Yep. <laughs> um, they, I don't think they got wiped out at all. I don't think I lost them all. Pretty much the only way that would happen is if they got broken and ran down. Yeah, and they never did. Uh, so, yeah, they, they didn't die for the tournament. One game they weren't even targeted because it was pointless. That was uh, game three because <laughs> they weren't fast enough. Uh, I had 15 Blunderbuss. Um... 
no command on that. I generally left a lot of command groups at home. I didn't like the idea of giving away 100 points every time you lost a flag, which yeah. actually seemed to be quite swingy. So the wizard lived in there. Uh, I had all the chaff in the world. I had two squads of 10 goblins with bows. Uh, they were a waste of points. I had three units of 10 goblins in their pants. They were amazing because they were 20 <laughs> points each. Um, so you could just truck those forwards and watch them die. Yep, and good lord, they died. <laughs> Every game they died, but <laughs> they died for the better, best reason. Uh, I had a big block of black orcs. Um, they're not the best buy. I think a, another unit, a big unit of chaos dwarves would be better. However, black orcs are available in plastic. Uh, <laughs> significantly cheaper than more And I do like Black Orcs. I had a block of 20 with full command because you get what is functionally a hero level character with Black Orc boss. He is amazing. Um, Great weapons and shields. They were 300 points for the unit. And I had my Earthshaker cannon which was a waste of points. And then my favourite model of the event was my Hobgoblin hero. He is forever going to be named Gobgob the Hobgob. Um, He ran around at 81 points um, with heavy armour, shield, same profile as a human hero. I think he was like weapon skill three or four. I think it was four. Strength four, toughness three. With heavy armour, hand weapon, shield. He was quite tanky. And then he had the black gem of Nah. Randomly, that is one of the things that has surprised me about this edition. At least in Dogs of War, a lot of the human heroes are all toughness four. Yeah, toughness four, it's great. <laughs> um, so he had the black gem of Nah. Which I didn't encounter an opponent who had played enough Old Hammer to have any experience with the Black Gem of Night. Granted, I think it might just be the fact that... Chaos Wars are not exactly a common army in the first place. It's an army on a hobgoblin hero. It's equally not that common. So. Yeah. I, I think I walked up to your third game table and you just, at that point, had charged the goblin unit with him in into, into a block of crossbowmen with the character in. And you went, challenge! And he went... Cool, I'm going to accept with my general. And he, said, and he went, Black Gem. What does that do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for uh, I did mention it before, I think in the first episode, but that was a long time ago. So the Black Gem of Nar is 35 points. Um, and what it does is it is it can be activated at the beginning of either player's combat phase after challenges are issued and accepted. Uh, the bearer and one model in base space contact, choice of the bearer, may not attack or be attacked for the duration of the phase. Work out combat resolution as normal. Steeds are also affected. One use only. Um, and the way you use the Black Gem of Nar is you charge with um, a rubbish unit. Um, I forgot to mention them. I've got a 25-man block of hobgoblins with shields and light armour. No command. They're 100 points. With this 80-point hero on the front. So it's 180 points. The cost of some core units for 25 dudes and a character. You're running into your opponent's unit. Preferably with the at the same time as your warrior block, and then you declare a challenge with the hobgoblin. Their big fighty character accepts. You remove them from the combat, thus denying them a nice source of combat res, because you know challenge overkill wounds. It's even more fun if you get to do it to a demon prince, greater demon, or chaos lord. But I don't think I'll be able to pull that one off. Um, and then win on static combat res which for my big block of dwarves is always going to be plus four, plus five. Because three ranks, banner, and the war banner. And outnumber. And outnumber, yeah. Because I've got a block of 25, plus six combat res. And you just... It's about the only way of leveraging um, combats with my dwarf list. Um, so that's that's the 
sneaky stuff that my Chaos Dwarf list can do. Um, game two, I was against Niklas using the Kislev on the jungle board. Um, so an all-infantry army against an all-cavalry army. Minus one unit of those. Minus one unit of the, yeah, the Cossite Woodsman. No, wait, that's War Machine. Breakthrough, wasn't it, as well? No, 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 that was the... um, Pitch Battle. Pitch Battle, Ah. game two. Um, It's the ones with a... I think they have a crossbow and a double-handed axe or something. I think they great weapon longbow, but... Yeah. um, So that went as well as could be expected. My chaff got shot off by his light horse archers. Um, the, my, both my blocks held, um, but I ended up giving up the victory because I'd killed his special unit of wing lancers and one of his heroes, but couldn't get the second block of cavalry dead. Multiple castings of fiery convocation and fireball at them, including one that killed nearly half the unit, but I just couldn't polish them off. Mm. And having lost all my chaff, I'd lost most of the black orc block. And the blunderbuss, I just ended up hemorrhaging too many points to the cavalry without being able to pull them back. Um, Nicholas is a lovely bloke. Um, he was, uh, I think he came, was it second or third by the end of it? I think he came second. Um, and he won we'll, best painting. We'll discuss it at the end. The army was uh, absolute joy to was, play yeah, against. Uh, frustrating because all of that cavalry, but <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, at least it's one of those things in eighth edition. It didn't matter so much because yes, he was quick. You're quick because you're all cavalry, but you've got a random charge distance. Oh yeah, I've charged in twelve inches with dwarves before. It's hilarious. Whereas in this edition, it's a it's a flat. So um, so it's really difficult because you can't push against cavalry because then you push and they charge, which is what cavalry want. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, in testing the. Uh, Earthshaker had limited your with Lizardman Cavalry's ability to dictate the game by halving their movement and I think it did the same to your heavy cavalry in that game we played James they were just stuck moving at three and a half inches or seven on a on a march which is great for me that's about how fast I go and that means my Blackhawks are suddenly the fastest unit on the board yeah it's um... Um, but it died or did nothing Every game. Um, game three was against... Uh, is it... Mr. Barr. John Barr, I think it was. Had the Dark Elf Army. The Dark Elf City Guard list. Yes. Um, another lovely guy. I owe him yet another apology for being a little bit salty. That game was... <laughs> to, to be fair... Difficult. And it wasn't his fault. <laughs> to be fair to you, I know I said it earlier. It was the whole position of... Some armies really wanted to be on a certain side of the board to start with, and you lost the roll off, and therefore had to push against a gunline city uh, list of yeah. dark elves with, with, dwarves. with dwarves. With dwarves, and um, and he played the game uh, perfectly. Yeah. You know, he did everything he could to slow me down. So he had light cavalry march blocking. He had his harpy slash march blocking. My Two units of gobs with bows got shot off first, so I couldn't then clear the chaff. The blunderbuss then got targeted next with their limited ability to clear chaff. Yeah. Um, the light cavalry then stood in front of the dreadcrate mortar. No, sorry, earthshaker cannon. So that limited what I could fire at um, because I had to pick a model and measure. Was it John? Bar? Yeah, John Barr. Um, and he um, managed to also roll the immobilized spell. 
which went off twice, um, leaving my black orcs four inches away from his um, four inches away from his crossbow block for two straight turns. Um, so if that spell hadn't gone off, I'd have probably been able to run the hobgoblins and the black orcs into his big long block with his general and his wizard in, and probably then forced it with your. Uh, forced it with the black gen and then being able to force forward with the dwarves who were stood unfortunately just behind the black orcs at every point uh, because uh, we were playing on the table with a big hill in the centre which I used to block line of sight to about half of his army but then that forced me all at one flank and yeah, as soon as the fastest got unit got units, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. so uh, although I was frustrated it was one of those games where the game was won or lost at Side selection, yeah, cause because if he was pushing into me, he's would have he only had two units of infantry worth enough points. I had a dreadquake mortar and a fire wizard, yeah. So I'd have been able to just sit there, pew pewing off whatever came forward first, slowing his army yeah, down. I, but and, it, his, and his army was a shooting army, so it it couldn't push in yeah. the same way yours could. Because you had a bit uh, more combat. I mean, yours I had, was just too slow. For, yeah, I had a chance time. to push, and it just ended up being too slow because of much because of the way the game went. He used his spells correctly, and he used his um, his mobile units I mean, correctly. It probably wouldn't be too far to say you would have had a greater chance if either the spells didn't go off or that spell wasn't rolled. To be fair, in the exact yeah. enough, no other differences in the setup. You still had to push. It, it's just one of those then everything that could have been in his favour before dice started to roll in it other yeah. than picking who's attacker and defender it had gone to where he could get all the advantages necessary to force you into the hard point yeah. it's a difficult place to be isn't it because if you're if you're onto a loser from the point where you roll the dice it does it means it's hard to try and yeah. play the game in the first place because you just feel like what's the point uh, yeah but it wasn't one of those where I was going to sit there for two hours and go nope I am not playing this game we can sit here in silence for two hours because that is just yeah. unfun and to be fair you don't know what could happen because he could have miscast he could have miscast and... blowed up his wizard uh, I think the the black orcs and the goblins were on target um, to have charged turn f- either turn four or turn five depending on march block and the the cannon doing its work, um, which is then still enough time for me to leverage static combat rares and get the dwarves in and then yeah. get into his deployment zone with enough stuff. Because I had so many blocks of chaff blocking his bolt throwers off that they weren't shooting the big 600 points worth of dwarves and blackhawks to then plonk them in his deployment zone. Yeah. But the game went how it went, and it, it was still... Although it was frustrating to play, it wasn't. It was still fun because it was still a challenge to try and beat all of the odds stacked against me to, to get through. And, and to be fair, there was a point when I was watching the game. You did look like there was a potential breakthrough opportunity where suddenly his center would collapse, which then means you go right. I have now got one option, and that's just a power straight into oh, yeah. his deployment. Which, if it had gone your way, it was, oh, that was the plan. That was what you would start. do. It was just unfortunate. Just at the point you could commit, your Blackhawks were facing just at the wrong angle to be able to assist on that turn. Yeah. So it, it did look like you were giving yourself a good challenge. Oh, yeah. It's just unfortunate, like you say, everything that could be at the start of the game to make it harder was just, was just there. I mean, to be honest, I leveraged the, the chaff deployment as well as I could because I had so much chaff. 
I was able to put like 10 goblins here on one far flank and then Tom Goblins on the other far flank, which then made him spread his four bolt throwers all the way across the battle line, which meant that I could use the big hill in the centre to block line of side to stop me having to walk through a corridor of fire, mm. which was great. So, you know, and then... But it's just that when I'd committed to the push with my three big blocks, it yeah. just couldn't push fast enough because of March blocking and spells and that. So, yeah, uh, I apologise again to John. Uh, I'm glad he, he did so well. He came second in the end. Yes, we'll, we'll run through the movers and shakers after um, your fourth game, I think. And, you know, he's... He, so there, yeah, I don't want to leave that on a low note. And then my final game was against uh, Wes and his uh, Ogres. Um, and uh, that was another game where the uh, Black Gem of Nar really, uh, <laughs> really, really shone. Um, so his Ogres was lovely. Um, I, I know he hadn't quite got it finished, but it was still nice to see Ogres. I think he was one of the only Ogres there. I think it might have been the... I think there were a few ogres there, but not in an ogre list as yeah. such. Um, so, if I remember correctly, he had a big block of iron guts with the general in. He had a single... Is it the huntsman? The ogre with the giant crossbow. Yeah, huntsman. A couple of um, saber-tooths, which he used the griffhound models for, which are really nice. I love the griffhounds. Yeah, they are the nice. second best doggo that um, GW do. What's the first one? The one from Rogue Trader. <laughs> oh, the actual doggos. Yes. Yeah. The, every everyone knows he's the goodest good boy doggo. in the yeah the goodest boy in the forty uh, first millennium. Um, yeah. So the Griffhounds are a close second because I love that Toby. Um, and then he had two units of two lead belchers and oh. a couple of units of ogre bulls with the club and iron, iron fist, which in this edition are really strong. Because you can either get like use it as a hand weapon and shield and get plus one strength. Yeah. Or is it armor piercing? So either, it's either plus one strength or armor piercing as well as the hand weapon and shield buff. Or you can use it as two hand weapons. Ooh, which so, is yeah, you so, you don't have a bad option. So turn one when you charge, you arguably go. Yeah, because you can change weapons. every phase. Or if you're charged, you go hand weapon shield effectively. Hand weapon shield armor piercing. I was thinking for attack stage if they go with two hand weapons. That's pretty good. Yeah. Strength four anyway, aren't they? Yeah. I suppose they're dazzling. They're only weapon skill three. Yeah, but they uh, also cause fear. Well, yeah, well, you can't argue it. I always thought ogres were pretty good. I was surprised mm. I didn't see it before. I, th I think ogres always suffered from the fact they had basically a loincloth for armour, unless you went character. And the toughness four across the board for anything that's not a hero or a... And their leadership choice. is quite low. Yeah, so they've got a few major glaring weaknesses... But, like you're saying, 12 attacks off a three-man bull unit, yeah. which is probably what your frontage is going to be, against any... 13. Oh, yes, champion. It's yeah, got I'll... good odds on killing chaps. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they were really good. Um, part of the problem was, is uh, I think, once again, it was a bit of game four. Yes. Um, getting tired by this point. Tired. I was getting tired in this point. Um, so his... He just deployed in a line. He put his Huntsman against one of my units of Chaff, which probably died. Um, he put his Lead Bouchers against my opposite flank, and they just wandered forward, annihilating anything that stood in front of them. Oh um, I think they killed... But the problem is, is the only thing that was in front of them at that point was the Chaff, because I plopped my Chaff down. He deployed his entire army, and I went, right, okay, my 700 points of expensive stuff is going <laughs> as far away from those Lead Bouchers as possible. 
Yeah, they would do some serious damage. Yeah. Um, what, what do they shoot at in this edition? Is um, it... They do a scatter dice worth of shots. Oh, you mean an artillery? So it's uh, yeah, so artillery two, dice. Four, two, four, six, eight, ten, or misfire. Two, four, six, eight, ten, misfire. If they misfire, they do d six strengths four hits on the unit. Um, and then they have to spend a turn reloading after they shoot. But they hit on, I think it's pretty much hit on fours, because yeah. I think they ignore range. I th- yeah, I think they pretty much ignore any penalties. because They're like the blood. And you roll for each one, don't you? You roll for each dude as well. Um, so it's not that you roll low for the whole unit, that's it, you're screwed. You've got a good chance of three of them of getting... It's a bit... And he took two units shots. of two, so you can point yeah. them at different targets. So what they did is one unit of two shot at the goblins and blew that unit of goblins up, and one unit of two shot at another unit of goblins and blew that unit up. However, if he, even if he did that for two turns, he'd still not really kill much more than 150 points of goblins. And it takes four turns to do it because of the reload. Yeah. But to be fair, they're not probably that bad in combat. Oh, no, they were pretty good option. in combat. They're still uh, ogres. They're still ogres. Um, so the, part of the problem was is he put his unit of bulls and his unit of his general's unit, he just pushed it into the centre of the board, which is great. You know, it's a really aggressive stance, really good for ogres because I had two choices either push forward or get charged. Um, but it just so... Well, I mean, and my Earthshaker cannon had exploded, so that's that... He did it every game. It either exploded or died or did nothing. Um, and I managed to engineer it. So the Black Orcs went into his unit of Ogre Bulls, and then the General's unit and Gob Gob the Hobgob's unit went into his General's unit... And it's at that point I did the Black Gem of Nartrick. I declared the challenge. His general went, I'm an ogre general. I have, like, five attacks at strength seven. It's or something like six, I think, actually, for oh, an ogre, because it's monstrous. He's, he's only a hero, but, yeah, he had oh, yeah. a load of attacks at high strength, good weapon skill, and, he was, you know, I didn't even get to encounter his stats because I popped the Black Gem of Nar, I killed an ogre, I my general also killed three hob, uh, three more dwarves, <laughs> um, but then I won because of the massive outnumbering. I didn't care about his fear because I was leadership ten. Um, I outnumbered him like four to one because of the tw- two blocks of twenty five. This is where I could really suffer. I really cannot generate decent static combat. Right? Yeah, so I was at plus six, and then casualties are applied he rolled his leadership test for his general who i think was base is either base eight or nine i think he was edging on nine he lost he got ran down so there goes the iron guts and his general and and a banner i assume as well a flag in the unit yeah and then that's game against the loader army yeah and then unfortunately the same thing happened on the second well the, the second block of ogres ran away and didn't get caught by the black orcs um, and then, unfortunately, for the rest of the, month of the game, my Chaos Wizard just walked around going, I'm g- I've am i got both fireballs. I've got fireball and big fireball. <laughs> I two dice the big fireball, and then I one dice the little fireball. Yeah. We blew up the... I think the wizard alone accounted for the doggos. He accounted for all but one wound on the hunter, because the hunter had the mammoth hide. Which meant that if he dies to anything that isn't a close combat attack, he gets up on a two plus with one wound. Right. Uh, which is, I didn't know until I tried spelling him off. Fair enough. Uh, and I had nothing that nearby to hurt him. And then I'm trying to think. He killed both units of iron um, 
lead belchers. Ooh. To be fair, that's quite lucky. Well, it's one of them though. His his magic well, no, no, sorry. Like he he, he blew one up and then the other one panicked. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that is still quite lucky when you think about it. Because well, they're only a unit of two. I had to yeah, do three wounds to force the panic test. Yeah, but still, you've got your strength four, and you're getting d six or two d six. Two d six. It's the two d six strength four hits. If you roll above average, you're going to do the three wounds. So if you get yeah. six hits. You're going to wound three times. They're a minus yeah, one save. They're saving like, on yeah. sixes. And ogres have got leadership seven, seven. across everything. That's not either iron guts or character. And I have several turns in which to do this after the so general had exploded. So I know it, it turned into an absolute massacre. I think I earned every victory point possible barring one table quarter. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> which... Was was it because you decided I'm not going to push this one unit of goblins well, the requisite number I know, of inches? I, I did say that on the day, but I think in hindsight, if you have to be fully in the table quarter, they didn't have enough movement with the angle that they were after yeah. the chase down to move into yeah. that. Um, From discussion, discuss, uh, excuse me, discussing with Joe, um, it was the models that were in the quarter. Because that's this is what came. Because I think Hugo's cavalry. I think I can't remember whether he was just over enough where it didn't actually technically matter at this point, or he had some that were straddling the line, where he had the front rank of cavalry. So it was unit strength five, six because it's cavalry of two. So it did push him just over it. So you didn't necessarily need the whole unit mm. in that point. But well, I wasn't by the point. You know, uh, I I really feel bad for Wes because you know uh, I I did gazump him with the black gem. Uh, then he failed his test, and then he got run down, and then that was pretty much clean up after that. And you live and learn that, don't you? yeah, and I know. I mean, I love the black gem of Nard just because you can go. I I do this, and your opponent goes. You do what? And and, and to be fair, it's actually the best defense you've got against real combat characters because I don't think your list has I don't any, have has anything that can match even a lord, chaos lord or a high elf lord on horse no. in combat you have to rely on tricks uh, unless unless it. I rely on well, my, if we talk about the lord level so the chaos dwarf lord is quite chunky uh, he's weapon skill 7 strength 4 toughness 5 3 wounds and 4 attacks too bad. So he is chunky, and I think he edges out the chaos equivalents because he's 120 points. Ooh, that's mm. cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So an equivalent elf prince, I think, is 125. What armor does he come with as a standard? Is it just no? He doesn't come with armor. Ah. 125 for a high elf prince, whose weapon skill seven, strength four, toughness three. Elves. Elves, <laughs> but he's initiative eight compared to initiative four. Um, movement five compared to initiative, you know, movement three. Um. You know, that's the elf problem. Um, so, yeah, he and uh, uh, we know what the Chaos Lord stat line is. It's like weapon skill eight and then fives for everything else. Yeah, barring initiative in this edition, which was actually eight or something Six really high. Or eight. Um, but then a Chaos Lord costs you like 150 points to start with because so he comes with Chaos that. Armor. It's, two, it's, 200, it's like 210 or something like that before you yeah. start because he has the four up save yeah. to begin, before you begin. Yeah, Chaos Armor is really But strong. unlike every other book in this edition, um, I can't get down to the 0 plus. Well, I can. I've got to spend 30 points on the 1 plus save. But I can't get any, I can't get any super high saves. Yeah. And if I 
and then I don't get the four plus ward. From having played quite a bit now, I'm not sure functionally for the most part it's worth getting down to the north plus save unless it's going to cost you a fortune to do it. There are cheap don't ways of doing enough it. Tax to to justify it, I don't think. I'll look at it from a certain character point of view. I think the Chaos Lord can afford the one plus buy if you can find it four plus. Vulnerable. Mm. Well, that's Whereas... easy. You just buy the uh, the gaze of the gods and then pray you never flee. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas conversely, say a Saurus character, it costs you uh, like 140 points for an old blood who starts with a five up. Put 15, him on a... 15 points for Quetzal, which makes him immediately a four plus. Yeah. Light armor for three. Then shield for two. As long as you don't take a great weapon, put him on a cold one and he's and he hits a zero. Mm. With with no magic items, or you can find ways around it. For him, it's worth it because he's only 140 points base, and it costs you less than 50 to get to that point. And you probably got to be the mount anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Today I was looking at some of the, uh, the was the health options I was looking at. It was just to get to I can't remember. I was looking at something anyway to get to the zero plus save. It was a lot of points. I'm not sure you can get to zero plus with elves. Uh, yeah. Dragon armor is because you don't have the access to the full plate. Yeah. So you got Dragon Armour for 5, uh, Bardid Warhorse puts you down to 3, Enchanted Shield puts you down to 1. I can't always look at that in my the Elves, but I just remember thinking that's really expensive yeah, the best. Cities. I think the best defensive setup I can work out in Elves in this edition is 1 plus with a reroll and then a 4 plus ward. Which is... Really good, oh, that's really good. Um, but that is that, that stops you putting him, in on, him on a dragon. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing I've noticed. And that's that's sixty-five points worth of magic items just defensively optimizing. But, but what you also tend to find is if you're trying to find that zero or even sometimes one plus, depending on the character, you then lose out on either the ward or the chop choppy weapon that you really want on a on a lord that you're designing to be this defensive. Like, for example, an old blood, the um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's the Revered Blade of Sitsu or something like that. It's 65 points, plus one strength, no armor saves. Great, strength six, old blood. I'm not going to complain at this. But then you can't then give him the good ward save and either the static five plus or the four plus versus strength five or higher and then give him the zero plus with... Um, on a Carnosaur, for example, so you can't get the cool on a monster. In his case, you can give him the zero plus, but then you're really throwing a lot of points at it. Whereas, like Chaos Lords, for example, can't do the zero by the high ward save. Yeah, I think it's just obvious. Oh, no, they can. Not, not, can, can they do this? Oh, yeah, they would have to do it on a. Um, Put it on a horse. On a horse, that's it. Um, and the thing, the Chaos characters break all the rules because they can just have enough toys to just do whatever the hell they want. Like, I, I know all the Chaos items have downsides, but we were discussing Helm of Many Eyes and the Blade of Blood and then the Gaze of Chaos Gods and then a mount, um, put him on a horse is like a 0 or 1 plus because of Chaos Armor by the Chaos Steed. And then you can give him like an Enchanted Shield, the Blade of Blood and then the Helm of Many Eyes. So granted he's got Stupid, but he's in Leadership 10 with a reroll because you give him the Mark of Chaos Undivided. So he ignores stupidity. He's always strikes first with strength five, weapon skill seven. And um, he gains a wound every time he hurts somebody on a one through a five. Mm. Uh, but any other army, unless it's Lizardman aiming for a low base save because they've got it. 
high base save because they've got scaly skin built in mm. um, need to rely on some janky 60 to 70 point combination of magic items to get down there and as James said I'm not sure it's worth it you need to make sure you've got enough no, I think I can't I genuinely can't remember what I was looking at because it was a couple of weeks ago now but whenever I was looking at it, I just thought that's a lot of points to get to the zero plus save and I came to the conclusion personally because it must have been on a small base I thought you only have a maximum of three guys attacking you so a one up save probably just as good for the most part mm. I, th- I think the three armies that can do it off the top of my head to the- easily are Empire, because they have access to full plate, yeah. Warriors, because they have Chaos Armour, and Lizardmen, because you can start with the 5-plus on the characters for Scaly Skin, and then it-, it costs you a little bit more, I think, to push them to it, but you've got the, ma- but you've got the ways to do it easily, because you can get Light Armour, Shields, the Quetzal upgrade for the plus one, and then a cold one. Thing, I think Empire in 7th edition definitely could. And yeah. Vampires could in 7th edition. Only, if, only the Blood blood Dragon character can, which is, depending on how you're building your army, yeah. it's either a really big big um, negative or bonus, because he becomes a crap caster in comparison. Yeah, yeah you'd need well, a vampire. I think we've got a little bit of a tangent here. So. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. uh, Let's just bring this... Smoothly back around for the yeah. final results. But uh, the final smooth as a snotling pump wagon <laughs> <Yeah>. drive. <laughs> but the uh, final uh, top three was Albert Barr, who had Wood Elves, um, which wa- wasn't too much of a shock, I think, for our predictions, purely based on the fact there were so many Wood Elves. But they're a strong army. There was yeah. lots of them. If you were going to put money on an army to win, it would have been Wood Elves. But to, to be fair, we honestly thought the top three were going to be populated, which was actually a pleasant surprise in some ways. It wasn't. But it was not unexpected that someone was on the podium. But congratulations to Albert. He, came, yeah, well he had 13 victory points because he got, looking at it, two massacres, a small victory and a win. Solid victory. Sorry, solid victory. Um... John Barr, who John played with his uh, City Guard Dark Elves, which really congratulations, because as James said, Dark Elves in this edition were not the top end of the scale. No, not the um, He was on 10, but he got two massacres and a win and a loss. And then Nicholas, who had the Kislev, came third with a massacre, two solid victories and a loss. So on 10 as well. Um, from us, looking down... Um, James came 13th on 6, John came 12th on 7, and then I managed to come 7th with 8, because, uh, as discussed, my victories were quite small, You know, even though go- technically on 3rd going into the end, because the draw didn't give me the leeway over the people who got really big victories where it mattered, it meant that me and quite a few people, sort of, although we probably got more wins to a certain degree than some of the others, dropped a little bit but you know I can't complain I went in hoping for one victory just because it's a new edition and you'd like one and I got four very good games with quite enjoyable play- to play people so. I, had, I had a great day and I'm really looking forward to the next tour that we go to there's a, yeah. there's a few being planned on Facebook at the moment so. oh yeah <laughs> that, that was very noticeable because um, I, I can't remember who it was I think it was Ergo who then invited us to join the 6th edition Facebook group and then um, there must have been two or three people that basically went that were there that went right. Where's here's my event ideas? When are people available? It was like it was. And, uh, me and me, James and John had discussed. Oh, we we could run one at our local club, or we. Was, and then suddenly all these people suddenly piped up and went, "We want to run." We were like, 
don't book it at the same time as us, please, God, no. Yeah, I mean, we used, our, our club specifically used to play so much square base, like, yeah. so much square base. So, um, back in 6th edition, I used to play with my brother uh, and at the club, so I used to have a dwarf list, and he used to play Tomb Kings. And then 7th edition, I started building that High Elf army, because High Elves in 7th were fun as all hell. You could run MSU Swordmasters. <laughs> um, and then 8th, what did, oh, eighth edition, I started playing the Chaos Dwarves. End of seventh, start of eighth. Yeah, and you played High Elves as well throughout eighth as well. Yeah. And um, I think, did you have another army in eighth edition, or was it almost the Elves or Dwarves? It's almost the Elves or Dwarves. On the run up to this one, I now have a massive Orc and Goblin army. <laughs> uh, so I was tempted to run Grimgore's Ard Boys at this event. Uh, I kind of, kind of half wish I did now, but I couldn't have got them painted. No, yeah, um, a lot to do with the time frame. Right? Yeah, because well, my basic Grim Girls Out Boys list is like sixty boys, yeah. twenty black orcs, ten I, to twenty uh, boar boys. I I did play this list, and it was purely based on the fact that John sort of bounced at the worst possible time that I then managed to punch through that I beat it because otherwise I had a lot of very angry orcs hitting my lizard men army <laughs> at the worst possible moment. And um, um, Borgut face beater. Oh, oh good lord, Borgut face beater. <laughs> Statistically, he should have died in our game, but because you saved something like six wounds. Six wounds on a five plus. And it was because like, and I was just it was one of those things. It's like you know you expect it occasionally to happen, but you sort of sat there just going, he should be dead. One no plus matter what, he should be dead. Two wounds with a one plus armor save, re-rolling failed saves is just glorious. Ah, <laughs> oh, but uh, no, I, congrats to. Um, Joe as well he, for running this event. I mean, I know he had a few problems running up to it, um, both personal and um, one of the players for the event. I think messaged him at something like two in the morning because he had the lovely view of a, someone's car come through his front front yeah, of his house. <laughs> so he was sort of having to he had to play unfortunately in the event, which is I know from my personal experience running um, events for other games, it's quite difficult to a certain degree. TOing and playing um, yeah. it's, it's not too bad for what I, my experience because I only had maximum of about 10 players whereas in this one it was about uh, 20, it was 24 so yeah. it, it did make it a bit difficult for him because he was playing TOing and rules judging because bless his high, he, he did know a lot of the rules which was very handy for people like me who are still mixing up additions in, uh, in oh, my head internally. So did, did a top job, I have to say. Uh, and I, I can't... F there was one or two things I'm sure he said himself that he's going to look to improve for next time, which wholeheartedly, that would just... As long as he doesn't end up having things like that go wrong on him at the last second again, I can't imagine him not be running a br an even better event next time. And, no, um, I think we're close to go again, don't we, the next time it's broken, yeah. so... Um, I think I think he didn't he say he was looking at possibly next time making it um ability to run lords or something like that, so it'd be a slightly higher points value. Yeah, it might be two thousand points, but um But we'll see when it turns up, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose that gives us a nice segue into our tournament now, yes. really, because we are running at two thousand points. With yeah. uh, some caveats, which With are some still caveats, yes. yes. Uh, I think we'll go for a quick break now. Right, welcome back. Uh, we're now going to discuss our events that we've organised, and um, between the three of us, we've sort of to and froed on this one just to try and get the uh, event we're looking at do doing. And it's called November Reign of Chaos because conveniently it's been hosted at our local club, Bedworth Wargames Club, on the 17th of November this year. 
Uh, we're running 2,000 points, so with only a couple of little caveats. Uh, most of it was taken from the Bring the Back 6 edition uh, event because we thought it was quite reasonable. There's very minor amounts of restrictions on people's uh, lists. The three ones we have are no special characters because whilst we did want some of the more fun ones, John did mention Borgrot Face Beater earlier, who isn't that bad, we then looked at uh, Archeon and Tyrion themselves <laughs> in the books when we were initially discussing this and we thought, as cool as they are, they, they could make it a bit of an unfun game for the poor sod on the other end of the table. So we thought, rather than to and froing, deciding who can not be in, who can be out and all that sort of thing, it was just easier to put a blanket. The, the slightly weird thing about this is is that there's, although this game has been out since 2000, year 2000, it's it's relatively new scene, so until people have got back into playing it a bit more and know how to deal with some of these things, putting in some of these monstrous characters, it's just yeah. they're just it's just going to make for non games, and that's precisely what we want to avoid. Yeah. So. There is one um, addendum to the no special characters rule, um, and that is simply for Dogs of War because that entire army is built around <laughs> character <laughs> units, and compared to the likes of. 800-point Archeon, 670-point Tyrion. Um, yeah, a 590-point Arsenal is nowhere near as bad as any of those. That is pretty rubbish, to be honest. <laughs> so, uh. But, uh, yeah, the other restriction we got is that any models that would require your opponent's permission to play, which I think mostly covered special characters anyway, but I think there might be some caveats uh, in other books that we've... And lists we don't know about off the top of our heads. The dino list. The dino list. I, I, <laughs> I love the dinosaur list. I feel list. like making an exception for that one because it's it's rubbish, but it's amazing. And the uh, don't forget the bone giant, the yes. gi bone giant with a bow, because yeah. that is another potentially stupid model. But um, the only exceptions for that are forgeable models like the merworm. Uh, we could take, uh, and the only other. Um, exception is one that we did rip straight from Joe's pack which was the flamer unit from the demon storm of chaos list can't be taken we went on the basic assumption there must be a very good reason Joe took that out Let's, um, quite frankly it was quite an easy one just to do just because we didn't want to limit player choice as, as much as we could afford to because quite frankly it's, there's no point it's more about having a fun one rather than being a, a real competitive event. No, one of the things we said earlier that we really like about Six Edition is there's there's quite a lot of different lists in there which disappeared after this edition and never really came back until Age of Sigma, that's by the by. But um, they never really came back in 7th and 8th edition, so we want to we wanna let people use them because they are cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so people are also aware the FAQ and erratas because I know there's multiple across this edition um, some events might play straight out of the original book uh, we're playing it so the Chronicle 2004 FAQ and errata are in effect and we will be using the updated Laws of Magic I believe it's only Heavens and one of the other ones I think it's Beasts Heavens, Beasts and one of that Light or Life and I can't remember which it is probably Life because I remember Life being fairly mediocre yeah especially yeah. when it lost uh, Assault of Stone or whatever it is to flip a hill on somebody yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah we'll be using that if people are not able to obtain a physical copy 
Um, I'm the one that will be the point of contact for this for list submission and other things. Um, I have got this on PDF. I am more than happy to give people a link to it, and I will probably put it in the Dropbox with the event pack, just so that if you need to print things out, you can print whatever you need out for it. Yeah. Um, as I said before, pretty much every army list is available. We're not putting restrictions on. We had, we wanted people to do the caveat. We don't want to just see the horrible things just for the lols we're going to face stomp. But from everyone that was at the event, we can't imagine people would want to do that anyway. It was more fun lists and thematic lists we saw, realistically. It was, yeah. There so, was, there was, uh, nobody there was there just to smash face, and that was yeah. the one thing that I really made the weekend. For yeah. But the uh, main caveat we have got is that you need to have the phys a physical copy of your appropriate rules with you not because we have run into it before ourselves where you have it on a pdf on your iphone or other appropriate electronic device and then it runs out of power part of the way through the events and yeah it, we don't want you to suddenly be stood there going well my army does this can i have a look please because i've never encountered this before and you go ah, i can't show you so it's, <laughs> it's just to stop anything possibly going wrong because we we know what electronic devices can do um Models fully painted and assembled. Uh, we understand some models are hard to get hold of, like John Bull Centaurs, um, <laughs> unless you are rich or willing to sell off your internal organs. Or sculpt some, which is or my other option. Um, oh, yes. We are happy for conversions and effective counts as to be used, um, if you, as long as they are appropriate for what you're trying to use them as. If you're ever in doubt, just let us know. We can have a quick chat and say yes or no, or no if we feel it's not quite enough or it's just right. The main caveats for this is that we're using three scenarios. One is not from 6th edition, because we wanted to try and create a bit of a, f a balancing to people's lists with the scenarios. We didn't want one thing to be particularly too good. So we're running... Um, Capture as the first scenario, which is not quite out of the rule book. Instead of auto winning, if you own the cap objective, you get a five hundred victory point boost at the end. If you if you end up getting that, it's a great bonus to you, but you could still end up losing if your army got massacred around you. So it does give someone something to play for if they've had the head kicked in a bit. Yep. Uh, the second scenario is an eighth edition scenario. This will be included in the pack. And it's entitled Blood and Glory. For those who haven't played 8th edition, essentially it will revolve around having banners. So you have a fortitude cap, of which is, uh, I believe it's three for 2,000 points. Is, yeah. And your general counts as two, and then every banner, including the BSB, is plus one to that for what you have as your fortitude level. If you drop to below three... You what under the normal rules you auto break and lose the game, but in this like capture, it's five hundred VPs if you break your opponent. But both players can get it, so there is a chance if you don't take enough fortitude, you start the game broken and are five hundred points down. It's when you get to two, isn't it? Not three or less. So it's, it's when you it, get to two fortitude. Rebellion. Yes. Um, so it's also the different deployment zone in this as well. Is starts you quite close. You're only eighteen inches away from your opponent yeah. it, potentially. And then the last one, because at the end of the day, everyone's tired. Pitch battle. Yeah. Out of the rule book. <laughs> it's easy. And quite frankly, at that point, you just want to run at each other and punch each other in the face to a certain degree. Doesn't require much thought. No. <laughs> um, it will be run at our uh, local club, Bedworth, at the Bedworth Conservative Club. 
Um, full details are in the players pack, which we'll put out roughly about the same time this podcast is released. I know we're we're planning to try and do it the same day. Hopefully this weekend. Um, the club itself, we are play- going to be playing a lot of six edition in the run up to it. I know we have a few other little events ring run by the club, which might take a bit closer to them, a bit more priority for some people because they're playing in them to get for them, but. Anyone is more than welcome if they're in the local area to come and play. Um, we have got a Facebook group and we are on Twitter and Instagram. So if anyone wants to come and practice for the event, they are more than welcome. There's us three and at least another five or six yeah. players. We've also got a WhatsApp group that you can contact us and uh, we'll send us a message and we can get you into that if you're local and looking to play some Warhammer. And for the event, we are going to have it one based on the traditional out-of-the-book points bands, so you get your Massacre, your Solid Victory, Minor and Draw. And we're looking to have Podium, Most Sporting, Best Painted and Wooden Spoon, as in the old tradition of uh, tournaments. Um, can't think of anything else that would be... Are we running important. the comb on a stick this year? No. <laughs> no. No, the, co- the comb on a stick, for those who don't know, I believe is a uh, Bedworth old one for the most beardy list possible, which... Bedworth in-joke from about 15 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> hey, at my AOS event there was a comb on a stick. I believe there was even a comb on a stick for our uh, Conflict 47 event, <laughs> for, in which John, which, uh, yeah, you, you John, uh, lovingly made up from a te- telescopic pole and a hairbrush. <laughs> hey, it was better than that, it was a telescopic selfie stick. Selfie stick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think really, looking at, just quickly having a look through the pack, there's anything that... Uh, would go against go against anything I've said or need to say. Um, other than it will be ten pound for a, for a ticket. We have a a currently hard cap of eighteen, but if we get enough people who want to come and are willing to pay the um, fee for keeping a spot secure if a spot comes available, we will look at discussing with the club to get more tables to to play with. Unfortunately, the club itself is limited by the amount of tables we have in the room we use as standard for going higher than 18 players comfortably. Yeah, we've got tons of terrain, it's just actual physical tables that we uh, we cap out at 18 realistically. But um, if if we do get enough people interested, we are more than happy to try and look at getting more tables and um, expanding it, because quite frankly, the event was great at the weekend. There was uh, 24 people and the interest we've had both internally and externally to this event, and all I've done is put it on the Facebook group we're doing it. It's just been enormous. It looks like we'll hit the cap without even trying on like day one of putting the event up from the int- just based on interest. Um, the Facebook group is well worth joining as well if you are on Facebook. We'll have a fancy battle six edition. We'll um, have the look at. Yeah. And in true Bedworth fashion, it, the lunch will be pizza of various types because if you, anything, pizza is a great thing for an, for uh, hungry war gamers. Yeah, and the more you buy, the cheaper it gets. Indeed. <laughs> but if you've got any specific dietary requirements, then please let us know when you book your ticket and then we can sort some, something alternative with yourself because obviously we don't want to accidentally leave you there unable to eat or worse, suffering a major allergic reaction if we uh, feed uh, you yeah. something. Because <laughs> uh, we're not that horrible. Um, and then uh, payment will be done through PayPal, which will be in the pack. Um, other than that... Uh, can you guys think of anything else that needs to be added? No, I think we've covered it. I just uh, want to say, I think I'm playing, you're playing, aren't you? Uh, 
I'll be playing something. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I'll be the spare player. Um, yeah. We have had a bit of a discussion. It's not quite in the pack, but we are tempted, if the numbers play out in the right way, to run a good, in quotes, versus evil for the first round, just to try and make it a bit thematic, because at the start of the pack, we are playing it as if it's a bit of a storm of chaos type of event. Yeah. So if we can do it, we will, but it'll all run down to the number of players and the um, armies people decide to bring, so it's something we're playing by ear a little bit. It should be a good, fun, chilled-out day, just like uh, bringing back 6th edition was, which is the, the vibe that we we want to emulate. Yeah. It, was a, it was a cracking day. So. Um, f- but uh, address will be in the pack as well for the for the venue, because unfortunately if you try to search for it and use the address it gives you, it puts you at the little football club at the back of the... Of the uh, Conservative <laughs> Club, which is great fun if you know Bedworth, at, yeah. at, not, at no level above nothing. I mean, it is fairly simple to get to. It is Junction 3 of the M6, and then... Straight up the... Straight up the Coventry Road. road yeah. Yeah. However, um, you know, getting to the, the sat-navs in Bedworth, are not reliable. <laughs> yes. We have got it so if you put it into your sat nav, you'll end up going to the Baptist church, whereas if you come from the M6 side of Bedworth, it'll be on your right about two or three doors further up from the car park. A, yeah. If you're coming from the opposite direction, you'll hit, you'll come off a mini roundabout. It's literally straight on your left as you've come come round that way. So park free car parking is at the club itself. When you go there, you'd come to the front door and go up the stairs, and then you'll be into where we uh, game. There's a licensed bar. Yeah, there's, which will be open just in time for lunch, I believe, uh, on a Sunday. Normally is, yeah. And um, yeah, feel feel free. Um, our club nights are Tuesday. I just realised I hadn't mentioned that earlier. So, if you want to hit us up for a game or anything like that we are more than happy to uh, play anyone at our own club and. Uh, see how it goes from there and we hope to see many of our listeners at the event brilliant well I think as we've been doing this now for nearly two and a half hours um, (laughs) and I have a super early train to catch tomorrow morning I think we're going to uh, call it tonight so uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, we have been back to the future hammer so from me good night good night and good night